This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by a brilliant leader. We're joined today by the Senior Vice President and Chief Executive Officer of the Memorial Herman Texas Medical Center. Of course, the Memorial Herman system is one of the best-known systems in the country, a magnificent leading institution. Greg's going to talk to us a bit today about both himself, the Texas Medical Center, top priority for 2023, and a lot more. Greg, can you take a moment and tell us about yourself in the Texas Medical Center? Sure, I'd be happy to. Thanks for having me, Scott. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on with you. In my in my time with in about 23 years in healthcare, uh, it spanned both uh, for-profit, not-for-profit, and um, primarily community hospital operations um, with two facilities, though, really. And I was in DFW for 12 years and now over 10 years with Memorial Hermann and um, all in Texas uh, in my career. So I've, I've appreciated the opportunity to work in the state and uh, being in the medical center location for Memorial Hermann. Uh, I've been here about four and a half years now and have really enjoyed being a part of really the, the largest Texas, the largest medical center in the world um, and really nothing of its kind that, that we've, we've determined anywhere else. And it's, it's a really special place to work um, with regard to everything that uh, happens here. It's a huge life sciences ecosystem, as you know, and the opportunity to, to come in here every day um, is, is one that you just, I still pinch myself a little bit in order to, you know, um, to think that I've, that I've been able to, to get to this point and, and have the responsibility that Memorial Hermann's entrusted me with. And uh, when it comes to the medical center, from Memorial Hermann is just such a rich history. And another real pride point of ours is, is to have Lifelight here, um, the legacy of Dr. Red Duke, a renowned trauma surgeon and a founder of Lifelight that started right here on our campus in 1976. All that goes with that history is a lot of pride, not only for myself, but our entire team um, enjoys that privilege and that reputation that came with, with Dr. Red Duke really standing us up and setting us apart so many years ago. So we, we stand on the shoulders of many giants here, him in particular, we're really, really proud to represent his legacy. And so, so it requires a, a special resilience at times, but, um, but it's one that we, we take on and we're very proud to serve. Thank you. I'm gonna ask you one thing about your background, then we're gonna ask more serious questions about priorities and focus this coming year. So you're a Texas A&M Aggie. Yes, sir. Other than, uh, other than Notre Dame, is there any institution in the country where the fans are as avid as they are at Texas A&M? Can you talk a little bit about the culture of Texas A&M and how it grew to have this just love for the institution that you don't see at that many institutions? Can you take a moment on that? Because that culture of how people build that kind of culture is so important to so many other things. And any lessons from your Aggie days that translate through to professional life? The other thing I'll note is the Wall Street Journal regularly does an article each year about the best places to hire from. And, and one of the fascinating things about Texas A&M, Texas A&M always lists at the very top, the top five institutions or so of places to hire great leaders and employees from. Can you talk a little bit about that culture and whether it translates into business as well? Wow, that's a great one and not one I've, I've gotten very many times in my career, Scott. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk about my alma mater. Um, and I've recently had a chance to go back and speak to the business school uh, this fall and, and had a great time doing that. What I find, what I found in you know, 30 years ago at Texas A&M and what I still found today in the students was 
just that sense of inquisitiveness, the opportunities at Texas A&M beyond, um, beyond just what are typical in most universities as far as the Greek uh, life, but well beyond that are a number of student organizations who are student-led and the university allows a lot of service organizations to proliferate. And I believe that just creates so many opportunities for people to develop their leadership style and their skills, um, even within the business school that I was working with then, um, with May's business school to, to do a quick presentation. I found the two individuals to be just so impressive um, in my interactions with them and their ability to carry on conversations, their ability to um, to connect and build relationships quickly, um, trusting and following up, and all those all those skills that you that you find, and and just that innate passion for for what goes on at A and M, and 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 I think the the thing that I think binds us together in so many ways is is something that you may have read about. It's 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 Aggie muster. It's it's April twenty first uh, every single year. We come together to honor the fallen Aggies and. It's those types of things that continually provide glue to the university, to the alumni, to, to continue not only what they had while they were students at AM, but to, to then perpetuate that same spirit, you know, well after they've graduated from the university. So a number of special things that I could that I could touch on, but but those are a few key points that I think drive that that sense that you're seeing and what folks say think about hiring Aggies and why they are in the top five. So that's a I appreciate you you bringing that forward. No, thank you very, very much. Now, talk about Texas Medical Center, the culture there, the the big priorities this year, and, and some of the pride you have in the Texas Medical Center. So, yeah, the pride in the Texas Medical Center, really, just to, to sit next to these giant institutions and work uh, closely together to compete with one another. Um, one of the things that comes up a lot is a physician can go from one hospital to another and not even have a different parking place, you know, can still park in the same parking spot but work at a different institution. That's how closely we are connected to each other. For me, it's uh, the excitement around the, the programs that we're building here and continue to create. Uh, one is around our transplant programs. Uh, we are getting a lot of momentum, um, in particularly in the kidney transplant, driving a lot more patients to, to awareness around living donors, and that's uh, uh, reducing time on our wait list. So I've been thrilled to see the progress we've made in that regard here over the last year. and. Um, I'm also very excited about the work we're doing culturally. We talk about Texas A&M, but we've over the last three years, and it's, I don't think it's that different from other institutions, but we've, uh, if we go back to February of 2020, uh, pre-pandemic, um, and then go forward, uh, we lost about 40% of our workforce in that time frame, And we had to obviously build that back as people you know, went to take jobs off-site, off-contract, um, take advantage of those high rates. So we've spent a lot of this last six to eight months um, very intentionally building back our culture, uh, working with um, a disciplinary process, a performance execution model that has allowed us to stay very focused on a week-to-week -week basis on how many folks we're hiring in and then what retention efforts we were putting it in by department, each department meets weekly and discusses their progress, sees their dashboards and understands the work that we're trying to do. If a department was um, in particularly good at their hiring and didn't have a lot of openings, then they're focused fully on retention and making sure that they don't see a lot of turnover. And if they do, they're understanding why. And I think that's also helped us connect the dots to our system 
you know, which is which is providing the resources across the entire organization, like many are in the country, to support resiliency efforts and mental health and childcare and a number of things that we call the Well Together Initiative. So all these things are piecing together with our talent acquisition team across our system, you know, the broader Memorial Hermann to then bring together the results that we're having now with, you know, I think we were at this time last year, just at the Texas Medical Center, well over 200 contract labor individuals were now under 40. Um, and we're, we're very proud of that progress and extremely proud of the team. And it's, it's, uh, uh, it's helped to sort of take some of the noise away from them that comes up on the day-to-day and get them singularly focused on on uh, what we've called our wildly important goal, which has been hiring and retention. And we've really seen some some great results out of that. When you talk about hiring and retention and travel nurses, I mean, everybody talks about the country trying to reduce the reliance on travel and agency nurses. There's no getting around using some. You've got to maintain the level of care you've got to provide. But, but what's your sense? Are you able to start moving away from as, as much use of travel nurses and agency? What, what does that look like where you guys are, are at? We, yes, we have. It's been a very tough balancing act. You know, it's it's impacted our children's hospital that uh, resides on this campus as well. Um, it's probably it hit our children's hospital later than it hit the adult. So we've seen these two different waves. So where we've had to retain more reliance on it is really in our uh, neonatal ICU and our pediatric ICU. Um, those are the areas where we continue to um, be a little bit slower um, to get out of the dependence on that. Um, on the adult side, we still have some and we're prioritizing various places. We still are growing in certain areas. Um, so we wanna maintain the growth trajectory of service lines that are growing um, while we're balancing it across those that um, maybe don't need as much contract. But when it when it comes to the challenges that we faced, it's, you know, we talk a lot about it nationally as a, as a nursing challenge, but it is everything, you know, it's, um, it's our patient care techs, it's surgical techs, it's OR techs, and um, whether it's cath lab or, or even the sterile processing folks, it's, it's been across the board um, where we've had challenges. And so it's, it's really uh, helped us to get focused to, to make some headway. Um, in this particular area because the, the cost is just so high when it comes to those rates that are out there right now. Thank you very, very much. But but your point is so well taken that at the end of the day, nurses is sort of used metaphorically to talk about that's what we're talking about. But but the reality is it's it's every place. It's not just nursing, it's every place, right? Absolutely. It is it's places that um we never really had shortages before, you know, and then the known areas where we've where we've been talking for 20 years, where we were going to have shortages, it's, it's just exas- it's exacerbated some of those, you know, lab techs and and those types of folks. So they've always been a risk for us. Um, and the ability to partner with with schools has really helped us. Um, we're bringing it, it's not just our efforts around talent acquisition, but it's taking our opportunities in a place like the the city of Houston, the Greater Houston area, to partner with schools across whether it's nursing or um, community colleges that are training uh, surgical techs or uh, sterile processing techs and shortening that amount of time that it takes for them to become, you know, a full-time employee versus that student orientation period and trying to accelerate those at every turn while making sure that they come out knowledgeable and, and safe to take care of our patients and, and to do their jobs autonomously. So um, a lot of work going upstream, even to the high school level, as we work with certain high schools around our area to 
to to to help create knowledge and existence that there's there's great jobs in healthcare, um, and we'd we'd love to see them take advantage of some of those. We've had some partnerships with schools where we've over eight nine years, and we've just seen our first graduate come out as a as a nurse. So um, we'd love to to, to continue those uh, across more high schools, and that's some of the work that we're doing. That's fantastic. Let me ask you one other question. As you look at 2023, Greg, what are you most excited about heading into sort of the the second month? We're just getting going into February 2023. What are you most excited about for this year? Well, I'm excited about the work we're doing in, in recruitment and retention. I'm excited about that transplant program that I mentioned. I am also, uh, this gets a little bit in, into the weeds, but I uh, we just walked out of our, our governance group for our patient throughput and length of stay committee, and I'm excited about the collective effort that takes every single person, every leader in the organization to get together and, and seeing the progress we're making to affect emergency room orders and holds, as well as shorten those times as much as possible, trying to take care of the influx of patients while trying to make sure patients are appropriately discharged. Something that just is is basic blocking and tackling, but continually takes focus and energy to, to improve um, across the board in a place of this size. Um, it takes a collective will that, that I'm starting to see take place. And, and I'm proud of the work there and excited to see what we'll continue to do throughout the year. I'm excited about the work that we continue to do around diversity, equity, inclusion across the system. You know, Our system's hired Dr. Toy Harris to be our uh, equity, diversion, and inclusion officer. She's doing phenomenal work uh, with us as we get uh, some additional structure in place as to, to how we not only serve the community, but um, create opportunities for our employees and um, community members. So looking forward to seeing um, more and more of her work um, in the manifestations of some of that as well. You know, there's a number of things that that excite me about working here. And I think the, the work that we do uh, preparing for a master facility plan, um, some changes. We'll, we have the opportunity to work with our executive leadership going forward um, to expand our hospital. We have some shell floors that are ready to be built out, and I'm excited to see uh, the momentum that will come with getting approval to build those shell floors out. That will really give us a shot in the arm here locally um, because our physicians have been um, excited about when that was going to happen and, and curious about how we were, how fast we could move there as we, we opened a new tower in 2020 and we uh, were fortunate to have some existing shell floors to build out. And so it's time now to do that. And so we're very excited to move those projects forward. Thank you very much. I, I want to thank you for joining us today, Greg, on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. What a remarkable leadership career and what a great system, Memorial Herman Health System. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you so much, Guy. It was really good to talk to you.